You're very special, kid. I agreed to take you back to your own kind, so that's what I need to do. And they're gonna take real good care of you. I've been quested with returning this child to the Jedi. What do you know of the Jedi? Nothing. I can lead you to one of their kind. But first, we need your help on our mission. Mission? Taking good care of him? Has Mando been taking good care of you, huh? Yeah, yeah, he said. What is that thing? I keep it around for luck. You're gonna need it where you're headed. fell a long time ago so did the empire yet it still hunts him long live the empire long live the empire you Mandalorian I'm here for the armor if you want my armor you'll have to peel it off my dead body I don't want your armor I want my armor This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast... All the galaxies, all for you. Why, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the IPC podcast, also known as the Intergalactic Peace Coalition. And we, oh, 
we have an episode for you guys tonight. We have an episode of The Mandalorian to talk about because The Mandalorian Season 2 just wrapped, and a lot of stuff happened in case you weren't aware. Um, And yes, this is your official and first and probably only spoiler warning. If you have not seen the entirety of season two of The Mandalorian, um, yeah, yeah, just take 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 some time off. <laughs> Pause this episode right now. Go to Disney Plus and go watch The Rescue, chapter 16, and uh, come back. You'll enjoy this a lot more because uh, there's a lot of stuff to get into, some big cameos, big reveals, big revelations, some tear-jerking moments, and yes, that guy showed up. So uh, we're going to get into it very, very shortly. But before we do that, introductions are in order if you're new to the show. My name is Ben, and also joining me is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold. Zach, how's it going? Dude, this has been a really crazy weekend in more ways than one. Um, this, this episode happened, um, I called the last football game of the season, uh, the, the football team I do play by play for fell in double overtime. It was a heartbreaker of a defeat. We played our hearts out, but ended up on the short end of the stick. So football season's over, but I'm excited to get back into podcasting. And then all in the middle of all of that, I caught a stomach bug of some kind. And that's why the episode was delayed in recording a little bit, because I hadn't even seen this episode when we were supposed to be recording on Friday, because I was just so sick that I I couldn't even sit upright enough to watch and consume the media in its proper fashion. I was just that out of it. And I'm still a little out of it, if I'm being honest. Um, it, it, It hasn't quite settled, but it's better than it was. So... Uh, I'm ready to to power through and talk about all this, and I'm glad we got some some company to to play off of a little bit tonight. Because if I have to step away, we've got a, a very uh, uh, ample substitute <laughs> to fill in, <laughs> in in my stead. Absolutely, and the other voice you're about to hear, he's a longtime friend of ours. We've had him on the show many many times, and uh, he's a, a a mogul of many many podcasts, many many hats. And we're glad to have him back, Mr. Sean Giroux. Sean, welcome back. You know, anybody, anytime anybody introduced me from my first and last name, I just sort of sit here and go, yeah, let's wait for him to mess up the last name. And uh, and you didn't, man. So congrats on that. Thank you. Well, I think I've heard Zach say it enough that I mastered it. Oh, he's just he's just he's just copying me. I see how yeah. it is. I was channeling Zach Arnold. So okay, well here's here here's where I get off from it. Um, my mom is a linguistics professor, so name pronunciation is something that we take very seriously in my household, and uh, I've had a lot of practice with funky names from the high school level. Do you know? how interesting it is to try and say that uh, Jaquarius made this tackle and, you know, he, he <laughs> like, I'm not trying to sound racist, I swear, but, like, trying to pronounce all these different names on the fly is really, really tough. And so I make it a point to make sure that I know what I'm saying before I uh, get in trouble with somebody else, you know? There's some, there's some odd new names. Like, you know, they're, like, these are, like, High school kids, they're realistically not that much younger than us, 
but they're they are younger than us. They're from a different generation, and it was like, dude, you know, I'm there's, ten there's years older names. than high schoolers now. I don't even want to think about it. I'm ten <sighs> years older. Like when I was interviewing them, they were saying yes, sir, no, sir, that kind of stuff, and I was like, I'm not that old. And then I'm driving home, and I'm like, I'm that old. <laughs> it's just it's I've reached the point in my life where. I'm still like someone will freak. Oh, that gentleman or that man. I'm like, I'm not a man. What are you talking about? Who are you talking about? I'm. I am not a man. I am just a large child. I'm. I am not swift as a coursing river with all the force of a great typhoon. Thank you very much. And Sean just over there, like, oh, you darn kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zach's going on about being ten years older. Uh, I drive for a private school, and it hit me this year. I'm like, oh wow. I'm almost 20 years older than these kids. <laughs> and gracious. then you don't feel so good. Oh, goodness. no, no, no. Oh, goodness. Mm. Okay, uh... let's, stop, let's stop talking about how old we are and uh, start talking about this episode. Something new. Something Some... that's very new and young and, and, and vibrant. Yet, and yet also a little familiar. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that's what made me enjoy this episode so much was it was a it was a good blend of the old and the new you've got some classic old characters coming back into the fold like we've had with Boba Fett and Bo-Katan and then you've got some some new added to it and then just a splash of oh wow they went there and that made for just a, a really really fun episode and and Sage I, I know that um Phantom Empire is just chomping at the bit to be talking about everything that happened in this. You guys are probably going to have multiple episodes dedicated to it this week, but I'm really curious, man. You you started a whole spoiler-filled chat, and it took me like two hours to get caught up on all of it. <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm still just for the for the people listening along right now. What have been your overall thoughts as you've watched this episode one, two, three plus times in the last couple of days? Uh, I mean, I had to catch my breath, man. It, uh, I mean, full disclosure, um, and I'm not going to get on like a, a raining parade here, but I'm not the most upbeat about the recent batch of Star Wars movies we got. Uh, I think there's good things, bad things, but for someone, it's their favorite. Uh, for me, it wasn't, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I seen this episode and... So the big mo, I don't know. Can, can we get right into spoilers right off the top? Or yeah, we- yeah. The, oh, yeah. We gave we gave, us, we gave the spoiler right. warning. If if yeah. people are still listening and they don't want spoilers, then they can just hit pause and go away and then come back. <laughs> so the X Wing shows up, and I mean, I do feel like they constructed this season in a way where, like, the the call that Grogu does on uh, on, on Tython, um, like it's so like done in such an epic fashion that it's like it would almost be wrong for anyone but Luke to answer this call um but then again you don't really know what Luke is post return of the Jedi other than what we've gotten uh from the uh, sequel trilogy uh and I found myself even though I felt like I was ready for it I was still doubting they would ever do it cuz like you could easily slip Ezra in there you could slip Cal Kestis in there I know there was the Mace Windu thing making rounds from (laughs) Star Wars podcasts and broadcasts alike, which I found kind of odd. 
Uh, but as soon as you've seen the X-Wing, I, I think we all knew it wasn't Trapper Wolf or uh, the dude from Kim's Convenience. And it, just as we're watching it on like the viewing screen there, uh, much like uh, Din and Grogu do, like I felt tears coming down my cheek. It's not like, okay, I'm going to cry. I didn't think I was going to cry. And there I was crying, not so much because of the recent batch of movies or even the prequels. I just remember as a kid, fantasizing about oh okay now that i've watched return of the jedi what comes next uh and hey i I like star wars legends but it's reading material or audiobook material um and we never really got to see what came next for luke unless you were reading that or listening to it or playing a game so it was like almost like basically 25 30 years of waiting for this moment and it just hit me like a ton of rocks and it uh it didn't last long but what we got might be like a top three Star Wars moment for me. That's with some recency bias. Maybe it'll wear off in a few months, but um, I I can't remember having this much of an emotional reaction to anything Star Wars in my adult life. Hmm. I, I'm still I'm still processing it. Like my dad can tell you just how loud I screamed when I fully realized who it was. Like. Like seeing stuff in the view screen at first without having very good context of the color of the blade and stuff like that really kind of left you in the shadows for a minute or two, but not for very long. And then when you see the green blade coming out from the robes, you're just like, wait a freaking minute. And then it really hit home for me when you saw his belt and you saw the one gloved hand. I was like, oh, my gosh, they went there. And like everything else from that, my breath was just kind of gone. I was like, wait a second. Wait a second. Need to remember to breathe. Need to need to remember. Okay, inhale and exhale. Like it was just. I I, the only way I can put it would be nerdgasmic. And I know that that's like borderline PG-13. I apologize. But like I. I'm with you there, man. I had not felt the way that I felt for for quite a bit. And that's not to say that I didn't enjoy the movies. Like, I I felt a lot of that type of enjoyment in The Force Awakens and Rogue One especially. And the the palpable excitement level from seeing Rise of Skywalker at the premiere. You know, there there are different ways to experience joy in Star Wars, but... This one was very unique and very satisfying in a way that I wasn't even expecting. And it's kind of interesting because I guess I was expecting some sort of cliffhanger. And if you wanted to end The Mandalorian right now, theoretically you could. I know that that's not going to happen, but... The way everything got wrapped up in a nice little bow at the end was satisfying and simultaneously confusing because now we're left wondering what the heck's going to happen next. Yeah, that I honestly my first time watching this episode, I was kind of, you know, had mixed feelings about it Um, because there was so much to process. I, to be honest, you know, even though I love the Luke appearance and, and going back to uh, Sean, you joked about, <laughs> you know, what if it's uh, Paul Sung Young Lee? I thought that was my first thought was, oh, it's Carson Tiva. He's back in the next wing. 
he's gonna help them out. <laughs> that was my favorite. I didn't even it didn't even register Luke for me until I saw the hall, hall, hallway shot of him walking. Didn't even cross my mind. And then you get that, and you get the thing, and and yes, the the CG on his face is a bit weird. It, it kind of took me out of it. It's still a great scene, but I was fully convinced that they also wouldn't take away Grogu. That Luke, even though he showed up, and I didn't expect that, that Grogu was going to be part of the show forever, at least until the end. And the fact that it did happen, and you know, who knows? He could come back next season, but they fully committed to this, that he's leaving. And the whole, you know, so much of this show's identity has been wrapped up in this kid, and now he's gone. And I still don't know how I feel about that because it's crazy, and I, I applaud Favreau and Filoni for having, as as uh, some other people put it, um, uh, and Din, this is a shout out to you, Din, the other Din, not the um, Din from <laughs> F one F one hundred five, not the Din from the <laughs> the show, because um, he corrected me and said that I should have say Gahones of Beskar, not Gahones of Steel. Um, ah. So. Uh, Filoni and Favreau, I applaud your cojones of Beskar for being able to do this and doing this and taking him out and, and presenting us a season three that may not have the kid in it. I, undoubtedly, he'll show up again, but it could be a couple seasons. And that's huge. That's huge. Um, and I love Baby Yoda. I would love to see him more. But uh, I also I'm interested to see what they do after this and how the show could change and just the willingness that they have of continuing the show but letting it evolve and not letting it get stale yeah so so let, let's talk a little bit about how we got to this point like obviously that was the big moment uh but there were a lot of really really good moments that got us to that point as well like um i, I would say this was a, a thrill ride from start to finish like yeah. op- opening with the slave one attacking the Lambda class shuttle was a stroke of genius. Like you get to hear the, the, the cannon fire that you, you are used to hearing from attack of the clones. You get to see, um, you get, you get to see some of the, the, uh, what do you call it? Almost like a, like a PTSD that Cara Dune's got from right. the stuff that happened on Alderaan. Like that was some really powerful writing that i was not expecting them to lead off with and yet you you have this sequence where she shows just how much of a badass and a sharpshooter she is even with a handgun (laughs) and and like even my dad noticed a little nod of approval that din gave as she's walking away after shooting that guy like he was even impressed and he's like, whoa, that happened. <laughs> yeah, like like that's the cool thing about season two, Din, in my opinion. And Sage, you can correct me if, if this is inaccurate, but I feel like there were several points in this season where you really got to see Mando's nonverbal communication, his posture, his mannerisms, yeah. the way that he carried himself was just a little bit more flexible than season one. He wasn't quite as stoic. 
And you got to see a little bit more personality out of him, not just with the things that he said, but by the by the way that he moved and the way that he behaved. And that was on full display in this episode right up until he took his helmet off. I I think that uh, it was on display the previous episode, too, when uh, we see how uh, he responds to Mayfield. Um, like you, it's almost like you were expecting Din to freak out at Mayfield the previous episode. And he he doesn't. He's just kind of like, oh. Okay, yeah, I, I dig it. Uh, and I thought that, you know, there was a lot of that in this episode, too. Pedro Pascal, though, I mean, Zach, we know him from oh, yeah. in Game of Thrones. And I'm not going to lie, when he had the spear in this episode, too, uh, and I know everybody oh. wants to say that, you know, well, Wayne does a lot of the stuff, and then there's the other guy. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, but I would be willing to bet money that Pascal was heavily involved in the uh, – in the battle with Gideon uh, yeah. just because he was heavily involved with his own stunts on Game of Thrones when it came to the spear and the handling of it. Um, I, you know, I, I completely agree with where you're coming from, Zach. I'd like to backtrack for a quick second, though, with what Ben was saying about uh, uh, Baby Yoda and Grogu. Uh, I do think it's a very gutsy, ballsy move for them to temporarily write him out of the show. And I, I really want your guys' opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking to my uh, my future sister-in-law about it today because she's like worried that he's gone, right? <laughs> that's that's why she got into Star Wars, and I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think that he's gone for good. I think that would be uh, a horrible financial decision to make uh, if you want to put your producer hat on for a second. And because like Star Wars is big, right? This new Star Wars show comes out, and it's one of the biggest pop culture things people can follow. However, like, so we were all excited for the Mandalorian. I know there was some hints that it might dive into Yoda's species, uh, backstory or rumors that came up before we ever seen season one. And it was going to be a success among star Wars fans, uh, more than likely, but then again, in today's day and age, who knows? Um, but baby Yoda, the child Grogu, whatever you want to call him, uh, change that like there's the mandalorian and then there's him that brought in and him alone brought in if not thousands hundreds of thousands of new fans to watch this cute little character story and made him a social media icon and like to the point where you have i don't know if people like a star wars fans some of us anyways understand the impact that this character has had on normal society and how much attention it's garnered for Star Wars. Like, think about it this way, whether it was the the backlash to The Last Jedi or the people that love The Last Jedi or the backlash to The Rise of Skywalker or the people that love that movie, we were in a rather um, dysfunctional time as uh, Star Wars fans, and, um, and, and that seems to be in the rearview mirror, and now you have, like, a new generation of, of fans born out of what we've just witnessed. Uh, thoughts I, I think you're right um but i also feel like you you can't have an entire franchise dependent on one character that's been tried before and failed and you've got a couple of seasons under your belt now with some established badass characters that are now moving in a forward like direction and you've even brought back some older characters like boba fett and so you're you're trying to encompass as many different aspects as you can. And you're 100% right that 
that Grogu slash the child, however you want to call him, he is basically a marketing cash cow. Like your your own son has a baby Yoda toy now because of how popular the marketing is. Like everybody is latched on to just how adorable and how how cute this character is. But I just I don't think it's safe to hedge all of your bets on just one character. Hang them out there and 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 make people want to keep watching for those appearances. Be like, when's he coming back? When's he coming back? I think he'll definitely show up in season three because if you go an entire season without that character, that's when you'll start dropping some people off. But if you hint at him or tease at him or if there's some sort of crisis that comes up that he needs the Mandalore's help with, you know, there's going to be some sort of situation that reunites them in the next season. I feel like that's inevitable. But I like the move to try and take it in a different direction with some of these characters that you have spent a couple of seasons establishing. I feel like they are established enough now that they could slash should stand on their own two feet and it'll be interesting to see where they take them yeah and i think ultimately like like sean was saying like he's he's not gone for good like you know din promises him like we'll, we'll see each other again like you know i believe that yeah. fully. like that's definitely gonna happen i think the whole reason for this is that for one the show can evolve on its own din can evolve separately his his whole his whole life in the past two seasons has revolved around Baby Yoda slash Grogu slash whatever you want to call him. <laughs> he, he, you know, he's now didn't kind of thing. And also Grogu can go off and train and actually become better at the force. And, and Luke, I think, brings up a great point that like he has to be able to train. He'll never be truly safe unless he's able to use his power correctly. And, you know, there's no much, there's only so much Din can do to protect him. He only needs to learn how to protect himself. Um, so ultimately, yeah, he's gone for right now. I am with you, Zach. I think he's going to show up next season at some point. But also, even if he doesn't, you know, even if it's just a few episodes, there's a lot of people going to check out. I know for a fact there's going to be a lot of people to go up. Oh, I'm good. Yeah. I, I, I was here for Baby Yoda. I did. All I'll say about that is I think that people are going to end up regretting their, that decision. If you leave, if Baby Yoda is your the sticking point that made you watch the show and you're not going to be interested in the show if he's not in it, I get it. But he's going to come back and you're going to want to see it. There's going to be a lot of people that go, ah, I don't need a season three, season three because Grogu's not in it. And then if he comes back in season four... You're gonna, they're gonna be going back and watching all those episodes because, like, oh yeah, Grogu's back and he's better than ever. So here's here's a thought, and it's something that a couple of different chat forums have posited. What do y'all make of the idea that maybe there's a bit of a time jump between seasons? They had been synchronous the last couple of seasons, but what if we're going forward a few years where? Maybe the Imperial Remnant is starting to form the First Order, which is has been hinted the last two episodes or so. You know, that's starting to formulate and, and get a little bit closer to uh, to existing. There's going to be some rising tensions potentially on Mandalore. And now Grogu's had a couple of years to practice and train his skills. What if we see them go like 
I don't know, five years into the future or something like that and and give us some flashbacks or something like that. I think a time jump could be possible here. What do you think, Sean? From I mean, I don't know how much you guys cover rumors or potential spoiler stuff, but basically everything I've heard on Mando season three, which is not much, is almost a guaranteed time jump. So mm. whether it's one year, two years, three years, six months, who knows? But I think we are getting a time jump of some sort. My my whole thing is I am fully on board with the time jump idea. I think it has to do with not as much about the plot, which I think will come into it. I think, you know, obviously they're setting up a lot of different stuff. I mean, we basically, it doesn't feel like a, a cliffhanger, but it is because, you know, early in the episode before Luke shows up, it's, you know, Din holds out the Darksaber. They're trying to take it. Bo-Katan says she can't. That the whole thing is still open. We haven't resolved that. So, like, that's going to be a huge thing, and maybe we do pick up a couple years after. I think the biggest thing, though, is Grogu. The time for him to develop and for us to kind of fill in the blank and feel like it's been enough time for him to, when he does come back eventually, and maybe he's using the Force a lot more fluently than he used to, um, it'll feel more natural. You know, and I think that's where you know, a two, five-year gap in there where, you know, we've got these first 16 chapters, and then we're going to go forward, and we're going to see what happens. Well, I think the other interesting thing to consider, too, is the book of Boba Fett, which was announced at the end of this episode, is going to be releasing before Mando Season 3, and it'll be interesting to see if anything from that storyline ends up correlating to what we end up seeing in season three i picture a lot of this and maybe i'm off base here but i picture a lot of this being almost like what we got with the defenders on the netflix series you've Mm -hmm. got daredevil over here you got jessica jones over here you got luke cage and iron fist and maybe the occasional character shows up in the other show maybe some uh storyline or some villain kind of correlates to another and then some big crisis arises where you have to bring in the Rangers of the New Republic. You have to bring in Ahsoka. You have to bring in Mandalorian. You have to bring in uh, the the characters that we introduce in, in the Book of Boba Fett. All of them are going to have to converge on some sort of either either a CW-esque crossover or just a completely separate miniseries of like four or five episodes where they're all working together to solve one big crisis. And so um, I feel like these stories are going to or will intertwine at some point. And it'll be interesting to see if anything from the Boba Fett show ends up impacting what we see in Mando season three. Yeah, because apparently season three of The Mandalorian is probably going to be pushed back to 2022. And we're we sure Boba about that? <laughs> well, I'm sorry to interject, Ben, but I could have swore that uh, from what I I mean, is is Boba a limited series or is it a full series? I noticed it's Favreau's a, it's a, thing. It's a, it's a full series from what I understand. I was gonna they, say, they didn't usually they use very specific terminology like they they are calling the Obi-Wan Kenobi series a special event series. And we know that's going to be like four or five episodes and that's it it's going to be one thing it's not going to be continuing whereas dave said this is a series 
Um, I mean, it's still open one. They still could come out and announce that it's not, but I would expect it's going to be getting maybe multiple seasons. And the reason I say 2022 is because that John Favreau specifically stated today on Good Morning America that it's in production now, and they're going to start production on Mando season three after the Boba Fett series is complete. And the book of Boba Fett, which is coming, doesn't come out till December. And you can imagine they're not going to be able, not going to have enough time to yeah. film and then produce and then get Mandalorian season three out before the book of Boba Fett. So it only makes sense to be pushed back to the next year. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm under the impression that because of the, this is the filming schedules, like you're going to need Filoni and Favreau on set or on location for both series. Right. And if they're, already working on Boba Fett, they're doing that first, and then we're not expecting Boba Fett until December 2021, then, yeah, it's possible that it'll be like, we'll go through the Boba Fett series and then maybe have a short break and go right into Mando Season 3 in, like, 2022, but that would probably be, like, spring, like, March or I'm April. Thinking, I'm thinking an earlier schedule. I think maybe the, ma- the pandemic may have had something to do with them re- Farming everything, or maybe it's just the way they wanted to do it. Um, because I think if it wasn't for the book of Boa Fett, we would be talking about Mandalorian season three going into production right now. Or but already here's, been in here's, production. here's the interesting thing to consider, too, though, is by 2022, we should be expecting a lot more Star Wars content, should we not? I mean, we're getting the Cassian series in 2022, Kenobi. and um, maybe Kenobi. Um, I'm also that's thinking, supposed to be filming next year, so I would assume it come out the next year. I mean, I'm also thinking we could end up seeing some Ahsoka stuff. We could end up seeing Rangers of the New Republic, possibly, depending on what the filming schedule looks like in 2021. Like, we could end up having a whole year of Star Wars content getting popped out one after another, and the Book of Boba Fett starts December of 2021 and goes into the spring, and then, like, spring of 22 we get mando season three and then like we get cassian in may and that lasts us through the summer and then the fall comes around we get ahsoka like we could have a whole year of star wars in 22 i mean i think that's the goal right now i think within a couple of years once they get this fully started we're talking about every you know potentially most weeks of every year we're going to have a new episode of some star wars series coming out on any given week, probably with only a few weeks, if any breaks between series. I feel like that's their, their plan. I mean, Disney plus is so uh, important to Disney, obviously with the the state of the world and nobody really knowing when things are going to be, whatever the new normal is. I think, you know, you can definitely expect to see basically star Wars and Marvel year round. Like, Hey, yeah. you want to buy Disney Plus? You don't need to wait ten months to get the next Star Wars or Marvel product. You you got something coming every couple of months. Um, this is sort of the new age. Uh, the other thing I I point out though when crafting these shows is it's not like when they used to do the movies. It's not even close to that stagecraft. There's so much that's done in pre-production now. And uh, if you go back and watch Disney galleries from last year, Favreau and Filoni both talk about this is it's almost like borrowing from animation where so much goes into the pre-production now of these shows that there isn't as much to do in post-production 
as there was, say, The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi or even The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, because when those actors and performers step on set, uh, they're seeing very close to what we are seeing when the show is released. That's why stagecraft is, you know, they're hoping anyways, that it's going to change the industry, uh, make things more affordable, make the timeline to getting things done quicker. And it puts more of an emphasis on pre-production rather than um, uh, post-production. So I would not be shocked if the book of Boba Fett comes out and I don't know if it's going to be eight episodes, four episodes, six episodes, whatever. We get like a little Disney gallery event on that, and then Mando follows. So uh, I would expect Mando January, February, March 2022, uh, unless they shock us all and decide, you know what, you know, Mando will debut on Christmas Day, and maybe Boba Fett uh, or the Book of Boba debuts at the beginning of December. I don't really know. I just know that it does seem like stagecraft is changing the game of the industry right now for the better. I would imagine, here's my prediction. I would imagine that we'll get book of Boba Fett. That'll start in December, run through January, maybe February, probably not depending on how many episodes it is. And then I think immediately after we're going to get Mandalorian March, April. And then after that, shortly after we'll get Cassian. And they're going to go right back to back to back. We're going to get all those, you know, and, late 2021 into 2022. And I am here for all of it. And then we got all the Marvel shows, which are finally coming out. And those are going to be probably happening concurrently because I don't know. You know, like I think the the goal for Disney Plus is to have like like, oh, you'll have like, you know, you know Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision and Mandalorian and Rangers of the New Republic all coming out like one week like episodes like dropping that time so you know they're like people have been complaining and i've even made comments like there's not a lot of new content on disney plus right now but it's coming boy it's it's coming it's about to be yeah i think what they've been doing for the most part was laying that foundation and also sharing their old library like i got to go back and watch a whole bunch of some of their old school movies like we did a whole like disney retro series here on ipc looking back at what was it the great mouse detective and yeah uh we did atlantis and treasure planet and you know some things that may not have done great in the box office but now they're treasure troves that we get to look at thanks to disney plus and so now we've got that and we've got all this original content like you can bet I'm I, I'm I'm speculating here, but I feel fairly certain that the more the popularity of shows like Mandalorian and WandaVision and Loki and Book of Boba Fett and things like that, the more they increase in popularity, the more Disney Plus is going to increase in price. Probably so. Yeah, I would I would expect because they 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 can immediately set this up starting out like it was one of the lowest prices and they were patting themselves on the back like oh it's it's lower than netflix and all this kind of stuff that's not going to stay that way forever you know netflix all these other things they've raised their prices multiple times once and i'm sure they have analysts telling them like oh you're producing this much content so your price is 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 worth this much money per month and you know that's just the way it is and we'll all pay it we're all gonna pay it we're we're disney shills all right (laughs) um they got our money already. With what Ben was saying Damn. on the timeline there, um, if if they do do that, 
Um, and I do believe Kenobi's do. coming out 2000. <laughs> I do believe Kenobi's coming out 2022. I don't think it'll be held any longer. But there's a pretty big event that's supposed to happen in 2022. And if you save Kenobi till the November, December release, it kind of gets to headline that event. That's true. They don't just have to time celebrations with movies anymore. They're going to have all these series um, coming out. And I still well, think and... like we're, we're going to get a celebration in 2023 probably for Rogue Squadron. But they'll also have all the series to promote. Oh, dude. I mean, the way... Diego Luna's talking about the way things are going with the Andor series. Like, these are basically cinematic productions. Yeah. Like, like the stuff that they're doing, they're basically creating super long movies that you can watch back-to-back. Like, if you watched all eight episodes of Mando back-to-back-to-back, it would run basically like a giant movie. So... You know, the the shooting, the quality, the the production, everything is just very reminiscent of movie caliber. And so there's definitely plenty of sizzle reels and trailers and promotions and panels and all kinds of stuff that you can host at a celebration with this content alone easily. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So so the Dark Troopers... (laughs) I'm looking at the dark troopers right now. They just got flushed out of the airlock and this team of badass ladies are storming the bridge and I am here for it. I it's it's amazing everything. It's it's like they just got overlooked like nobody's talking about the dark troopers, but like it is like mind-blowing that we getting this in Star Wars right now in Star Wars live action. Oh it's yeah. It's amazing. Um Sean you're obviously been a massive EU fan for a very long time. What was it like seeing Dark Troopers in live action for the first time? Uh, I mean, for me, it, it was cool. Uh, there's a buddy of mine that was way more hyped about it than I was. <laughs> uh, but I, I really just like what they're like. For years, I felt like I've had to defend Star Wars Legends um, because some people think the stories are over the top or they're stupid and or they didn't like this character or that character. And it's like, you're actually starting to see a lot of that stuff either get repurposed and put back in or just brought right back in altogether. And uh, I I dug the Dark Troopers. I know there's a lot of people bashing the music, but I felt for a while, like, if you're not going to have Ooh. John Williams doing it. Who anymore, is bashing the music? That's insane. The music's it, amazing. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Like, uh, I, and yet I've seen a bunch of people go, well, that's not Star Wars. It's like, Star Wars is evolving. This isn't just John Williams anymore. It's on screen, all right? It's Star Wars, all right? It's got the Star Wars logo on it. I I loved it. It felt different. It was great. And I love the way that um, you just had to know they were going to come back, right? Uh, when right. in sends them with the airlock. It's like, well, they can fly. We've seen that already. And they're they're not human, so they should be back at some point. They fly uh, now? They fly now. <laughs> But it was cool to see how much trouble he had with one, you know, and it was almost like the trouble he was having with the one was a callback to what happens to him in uh, Game of Thrones. Um, He gets his head crushed in that show. And uh, it looks like he's trying to get his head crushed in this episode, but obviously uh, the Beskar stops that from happening. But you see how much difficulty he has with the one. And I love the movements uh, of the uh, Dark Trooper because it feels like you're watching you know, uh, Terminator almost, or Iron Man. Uh, there's this very uneasy feeling to them, and the music added to it. 
And it, it, to me, it added like the whole reason for that scene with Din earlier is to show just how you thought Ahsoka was badass in episode five. Well, um, oh, sorry, let a swear word slip, slip, uh, was to build Luke. You know, Luke goes through, I think I counted 20 of them. I think there's 20 of them there, which means Luke kills 19 of them. Um, that's nuts. Just crazy. I, I love them. I don't know if we'll see any more of them, but <laughs> it, it was cool. I dug it. What do you guys think? It's brilliant filmmaking and writing to have that big drag out fight between Din and the one dark trooper because it almost freaking kills him. And Din is the guy, like I've talked about before, how like he's kind of Indiana Jones in the Star Wars universe. He kind of gets his ass handed to him a lot, but he's also the guy that cleans house a lot of times. He's getting better at it. To see him totally on the brink of death multiple times this thing shows how just relentless and how these things are just basically the Terminator, like you're saying. And then it just shows like how powerful these things, one of them can almost kill someone like what's going to happen. Like Moff Gideon says, you had your hands full with one of them. Now you got to face a whole platoon of them. And it's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. It just totally sells. And then Luke comes in and, and it just sells his power that they're just nothing to him. He just walks down the, the, the hallway and just slices their heads off. And it's, it's great. So satisfying. Oh, I'll tell you what else is satisfying. The fight between Din and Gideon in the hallway. One of my favorite all-time one-on-one fights. Throwing it out there right now. So good. Oh, my gosh. I'm watching it right now, and it's just beautiful choreography, beautiful graphics. You know, Din is, for the most part, kind of in a very defensive posture, using the gauntlets to defend him until he can draw the spear, and then he's using the spear to just counteract and counterbalance some of the strikes that Gideon has. You can tell that Gideon has no sparring partners because he is lashing out with this attack a lot. Like, he's very off his center of gravity. He's very much lashing out with his strikes and his blows, I don't know how in the world he ever took this away from Bo-Katan in combat because this guy, he's just, he's very off-center. And Din takes full advantage of it using leverage, just physics, to, to knock him off of his balance and to watch the dark saber from the clone wars go up against a spear made of beskar like you don't even need the blue or the red to have a great fight sequence and it just the the sparks that fly in that hallway are blowing my mind it's brilliant it's so good like and like, you're right. Like, you know, Moff Gideon obviously gets the upper hand really quick, you know, when he just starts wailing on him, which is great. But then Din turns it around and he just pretty, pretty easily takes him down. I was almost like surprised by that, that, you know, it's a great fight, but it's pretty short. Um, so, uh, Sean, take us through the the parallels that you've noticed between this fight between Pedro Pascal's Din Djarin against Moff Gideon and Pascal's character from Game of Thrones when he when he fights the mountain. 
I mean, I think the the biggest parallel is his uh, his movement with the spear, um, the Beskar spear. I thought it was very well done. At one point, you basically see him kick it back up to his hands and then come down at Gideon. Uh, I won't lie, though. Other than that, I'm having a hard time um, finding where the parallels are other than that. So you actually have me intrigued. Where where did you... Uh, I mean, I, I guess I guess it's just because I'm I'm watching it right now and I'm watching that fight for like the third or fourth time. But um, from from what I can remember from that fight, it's been a while since I've watched Game of Thrones. I need to get back through the series again, maybe during the holiday break while I'm off of school. But um, a lot of the way Oberyn fought in Game of Thrones was very much about knocking the mountain off of his center of gravity. He knew that he was smaller, so he had to get physics on his side. He had to get leverage. And I saw a lot of that leverage gaining in the second half of the fight here against Gideon. I'm also noticing like footwork and technique. Like Gideon was very poor with his footwork and his stance. And it's not that the mountain had poor stance. It's that he was just very stocky and wasn't as agile. Agile, excuse me. And so I think in both of these, Pascal is kind of showing off his agility and his ability to just knock the opponent off of their center. And that may have been why he had such trouble with the Dark Troopers, because they're not as easy to knock off of their center. And when when you're fighting against a machine, essentially, that may or may not have magnetized boots... It's it's a little bit harder to uh, to get that type of advantage when you're going up against them one on one. Yeah, I think I think maybe part of it is that it Gideon underestimated Din, that he you know tried to fool him, and didn't and failed. This is the first time they've met the entire series, and you know I think a lot of it also has to do with you know obviously. You know, even though I don't think Gideon intentionally lost, there is something there that he believes that, like, he knows that Din is out of the loop with this whole Mandalorian stuff and the the legacy of the Darksaber, all this kind of stuff. So when he gets it, he's like, well, I haven't really lost. Like, this is going to this is going to be interesting. You're you're going to you don't even know what you have right now. And it's going to cause all kinds of drama. (laughs) And, you know, it's it's and he's enjoying it, even though he lost, he still kind of won, too. And I I'm not convinced that he lost the the Darksaber forever. I think he might actually get it back at some point because there's probably going to be a Mandalorian Civil War at some point and uh, in the f- near future. And uh, Moff Gideon is probably going to profit from that. So that that brings up an interesting point, and I guess that could be the segue into our speculation for season three. Obviously there's going to be other points of conversation that we'll bring up, but we're kind of jumping around here. We're, we're kind of going all over the place. It's fine, but I I'm really curious to hear you guys' thoughts on what season three has in store, because there's some rumor mills floating around that lead us to think that perhaps Bo-Katan could end up becoming one of the quote-unquote antagonists in season three just because she now still has to win the Darksaber in combat. 
obviously Din doesn't want it, but he is also very avid about following Mandalorian tradition. So is there going to be something that comes up where, you know, maybe there's a tension rising where she wants the throne, but he has the more legitimate claim right now. You know, is there going to be something that leads to a Mandalorian uprising where some may want to follow Din and others may want to follow Bo and they're going to end up fighting each other for possession of the saber thoughts. Sean, you want to take this one? I, I mean, I could see where they, they go with making Bo-Katan possibly a, a villain, at least in some people's eyes, uh, if that's the route they take. But I sort of, this is purely from my perspective, wasn't necessarily looking at her as like being pissed with Din uh, when Gideon goes on his ramble. But I almost felt like it was a shocking realization to her that she never really had it in the first place. Uh, because she didn't win it in combat. She had it given right. to her uh, to, to lead her people. Um, and, I mean, Dave Filoni helps write this show. I'm sure he didn't forget writing his other show <laughs> exactly. and how it went down, even though there's everybody on the Internet screaming that he did. Um, it. Uh, I feel like, you know, it's. I, I can't help but wonder if we're going to get any romantic tension between the two to be honest. Oh, you're going to you went somewhere I wasn't expecting. I just feel like the way they've you look at what happens in episode 3 and then you see this episode 2 and the way they interact with one another and the fact they're both just watching Boba and uh Casca uh, go at it. Um I don't know. I feel like that's I know Star Wars doesn't do a whole lot of romance, but I like I don't know about you guys. I feel chemistry between those two characters on screen, even though they've only been in two episodes together. Well, so maybe I I'm mean, just writing a fan fiction, uh, but I could see it happening. Well, I mean, now that he's taking his helmet off, everyone can see that he looks like Pedro Pascal. <laughs> and so oh, really? now he, he's available. Now he's available. He's he's making himself available. And, you know, he almost had a romance with O'Meara back in the day, and she almost took his helmet off, but he wouldn't let her. Um, I think... I think that's a definite possibility. I think a, a romance could blossom with Bo-Katan or somebody else. Um, but uh, I am of the opinion that Bo-Katan is going to be, maybe not the antagonist, but an antagonist. I think she has a massive entitlement complex. She's talking about all this. She's the rightful owner of the Darksaber. She's thing. She's the... Lieutenant of Previsla, the former, you know, one of the rulers of, of Mandalore. She's the sister of Satine. She thinks by blood and by everything that she should be on that throne. And Din just stole it out from under her. She's not going to take that lightly. And we know that I just, her whole demeanor, all she's been through this season, and her, she's very intense. Props to Katie Sackoff for just killing it with the acting. Because everything – she can just say the most random thing, and it sounds like the most intense line you, you can possibly think of. And it's, she's been amazing. I think she's going to turn that into something that is maybe not very good. And we've seen her. She started out as a villain. I think she could go that route again, and we could see her you know, seeing that, that Din doesn't know what he has. He doesn't even want the thing. He's like, I don't want to rule Mandalore, but – he does. He is now. He is Mandalore. Like it's this is happening. Well, and what's funny is he didn't really even care about Mandalore 
very much as a planet until Bo got him interested, like until she basically asked him to uh, to assist her with the with this quest of hers. He's just like, "Eh, not really my concern, not really, not really in my wheelhouse. That's not something I'm interested in. But now, almost by default, he's kind of involved whether he wants to be or not, because in his zeal to go after Grogu, he ended up incidentally getting in Bo's way. And you know how she feels about people that get in her way. Right. And and the thing is, like, he got it because he wanted Grogu. But now Grogu isn't in the picture anymore. He doesn't have to worry about it. He is basically a leaf in the wind now. He doesn't oh, have no. a mission anymore. No, 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 no. You are not allowed to use that term. That is still. I mean, he's silly. wearing armor. He can't take a spear in the chest. Oh, that is still too soon. <laughs> I know. It'll always be too soon. It's always too soon. Poor Wash. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, that was insensitive. I apologize. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Screw you. <laughs> um, um, okay. Um, what do we want to talk about next? I, I got. Because... I got to make. I got to make one quick mention. This probably isn't going to last too long, but uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna provide a hot take before we go to our commercial break. Hot take. Um. In in my opinion, the sequence from the disembarkment of the Lambda class on the cruiser. All the way up to the point where they take the bridge is quite possibly the best girl power action sequence we have seen in film or TV in the last decade. I I think I agree with you, honestly. Like honestly. as 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 much as they have tried to showcase stuff like that in the Avengers and and other Marvel productions. I just feel like the things that they did with this sequence, particularly on the bridge, was not not the bridge, not not the bridge bridge, but like the little uh, walkway, right? That they had with the ray shields right underneath it when they when they kicked one of the troopers off and he fell, but then he also fell out the ray shield into space. I was like, <gasps> what did they just do? And then the little surprise attack where they're like they use their jetpacks to come up and kind of ambush them. I was like, you thought you were cornered, but you were wrong. It was just, it was so well choreographed. It was so well done. And even with faulty machinery, you know, Kara still finds a way to, to make it work. And I think Ben, you might know this. I don't know if, if Sean is aware of this, but I am a big fan of laser chain guns (laughs) yeah yeah like before quote of the day even existed like this is before ipc there was quote of the day before quote of the day i created a fan page centered around the z6 rotary blaster cannon from star wars the clone wars yes sir chain guns and gatling guns and just Rapid fire laser guns in Star Wars are things that I fixate on. And her use of that in this sequence was so awesome. And just everything that they did, the four of them were able to 
take over an ISB light cruiser, basically, all by themselves, creating a distraction, creating a takeover, and creating opportunity for Din to do what he needed to do. It was awesome. It That was amazing in so many different ways. And, you know, I don't want to... I don't want to sound like those type of people on the internet that complain about certain things. You know who I'm talking about. That are like, I'm not even going to quote them because you know what I'm going with. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to sound like one of those people. But like we've talked about the Avengers Endgame moment scene. Oh yeah, with all oh, the yeah. and like oh, yeah. I'm fully look. I'm full of support. Like I love it that they had all those female characters. And they put them all in one scene. It was it was great, but it was a bit of like it was an eye roll moment almost. It was almost like this. It was a bit heavy handed, and it kind of took you out of the moment. Like it wasn't like oh these badasses. Like oh okay, they're just like all the female characters in the movie just happened to be in one place at the same time. It it was it was a bit much. It was a bit much. This was just felt so natural, and it was like halfway through the scene, you like. Oh wow, these are all ladies and they're kicking ass. Like this is cool. Like that's that's how you do it. That's how you do it. I'm not saying you do it so you don't notice it. It's you do it so that it feels right. It feels natural and it's not pandery. It's not like, right. hey, look at this. It's not drawing attention to itself. It's just doing it and just doing it right. And just props to Mandalorian for raising up all these badass female characters and then giving them a chance to just be badass together in this awesome scene and uh, murder everyone. Well, okay, badass women, but let's also give props to uh, to to like badass women who are at um, what you might consider more advanced stages of life. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, let, let's be honest. Um, how old is Katie Sackhoff? She was born in 1980. So she's 20, 40. Wait. That's she, not is, right. she was born April 8th, 1980, and she's 40. So she's 40. So that would be kind of considered middle age, I guess. Maybe prime. Depends she's on not, who you're she's asking. Not, she's not like what you would expect. She's not like prime like what you would consider like female action hero she's not she's not daisy ridley you know well, she's not 20 something and then ming na wen is 57 57 57 and kicking ass oh my gosh she's just she's she's amazing but then uh how old is tim morrison i know that we're not talking just about um, i guess i'm talking about people that are like advanced age he was born in 1960 he is 59. So he's 59. So you've got a whole series that's going to be centered around a 57 and 59-year-old moving forward. It's just, you know, no disrespect to anyone. But, the, you know, there is this thing, and it's not just Hollywood. It's just general culture that, you know, it's like, oh, the fresh young faces, and you got to be young and beautiful. No. <laughs> I mean, yes, okay, Tim Morrison and Ming Nguyen are beautiful people. They are beautiful, but, also, but they and they've aged brilliantly. But still, it's not about that. It's about like the fact that they are just badass. Why, they're badass, 
fantastic actors and they get to lead this thing. And, you know, they're not 20 something. They're, you know, they're, they're what you call over the hill, but they're still kicking ass. And I love it. I mean, it's all downhill for them at this point. Like, how much cooler is it that you get to be like a, a, a sniper, badass, bounty hunter, Mandalorian type of character in the Star Wars universe in your mid 50s? Yeah. Like that's just oh that is so and that's cool. a and that's a that's a big issue. Like some actors, if you haven't thought about them in a while, it means that they're probably struggling to work. You know, they're struggling and you know they can't make ends meet because they're not in their prime anymore. Um, and that's really really sucks because they're people too, and you got to eat. Like that sucks. Um, but they're they're here, and you know they're they're I mean. Just Ming Na Wen, I've been watching her obviously for for years on with Agents, Agents of Shield. Of yeah, I was she was that. you know she's she's the cavalry. She's <laughs> she was she's the person on that show that would you know you if you if she went up against someone you know they were gonna get their ass beat like that yep. was just it. And if she got her ass beat, they were powerful because she didn't lose ever. Right. Right. So getting getting the two of them in a show. Coming December 2021, it says in the little title thing. I just finished the episode again, and I I still chuckle at the fact that they did a Marvel-esque post-credit scene that involved a confirmation of the fate of Bib Fortuna, of all people. <laughs> it's like, funny. I, I feel like it's just a matter of time because we've had three Marvel directors working on this show, one of them creating it. <laughs> Yep. I guess it was only a matter of time before we get a post credit scene. And uh yeah, Big Fortuna. Kind of, I didn't expect that. It kind of also makes me want to go back and watch the season one finale just to make sure there wasn't a post credit scene in there that I missed. <laughs> seriously. Seriously. Um Sean, okay, did you did you catch the, the post credit scene? Yeah. Is that no, something for for sure. It's uh I thought something might have been up when the uh like I stayed spoiler free. I woke up really early before work that morning to see the episode, and uh, I uh, I don't know. The credits just seemed weird, and there was no art. And uh, right, the concept art being absent was a big tip off for me. Even the tone was a bit different, or the the music. And okay, well, you know, maybe. Uh, and sure enough, it was there. Um, the, the thing I found funny, and I don't want people to go down the wrong line of thinking with this. Uh, you know, I, I, this is coming from someone who's not the biggest fan of the sequels. I don't ever want to see those movies reset. They are what they are, accept them, get over it. But this is some proof that despite something being canon before and Bib Fortuna's death was canon. In fact, it was on starwars.com. You're right. Uh, they just figured, okay, well, I mean, it's just a, secondary character we can you know maybe he survived instead of dying and this is just an example with some smaller things they're willing to tinker around so if you see you know maybe someone's discussing you know uh this guy from from that comic or this guy from that book don't write it off as ironclad that it can't happen because if something is to serve their visual storytelling better they're uh they're probably going to do it and uh, they did it and i mean i love matthew wood too so uh that that that's awesome 
he, this whole here's episode the thing. Was awesome. Like, it was funny. Is like, look, I love like Lucasfilm's like, you know, what they're doing, what they've been doing with the canon, and how they've been doing things. And you know, earlier this season, we got Cobb Vanth. He's a character from the books. Like, that was really cool. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if it's not on screen, it can change. And even that rule is not <laughs> is not very good when you consider people like George Lucas, who just love to change things on screen. So nothing is set in stone. Like, we didn't see Bob Fortuna die in front of the Jedi. So, uh, yeah, guess what? He's back. Oh, man. We were just talking about if it's not on screen. And I don't know how, but my mind just kind of wandered a little bit thinking about what could end up on screen thanks to all of these Disney Plus originals. And, you know, we were talking earlier about how there are different parts of the EU and the Legends canon that have been tinkered around and made their way into the official canon thanks to this show, particularly things like the Dark Troopers. Um, I guess... I guess the fanboy in me wants to have some sort of outlying hope that maybe by like season two of the Ahsoka series, I know that that's a long way down the line, but like what if season one is the pursuit of Grand Admiral Thrawn, you find him, you realize that he has bigger things on his mind than just the Empire. And they get to explore the unknown regions and it's a Disney plus original that introduces us to the Yuzon Vong. Oh, oh, wow. I like that. I do think they're going that route. I mean, if you, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be the Yuzon Vong, but I've been saying for a while, if you follow the Thrawn novels, if Maybe the stuff that happens in the novels doesn't mean anything. I don't really know. It's hard to keep up with what they're uh, (laughs) deciding on any given day or week. Um, But there's this hint at something in the unknown regions that's super powerful. And maybe Palpatine meant and talked about that. I think it's the first Thrawn novel, maybe the second one. I can't remember Uh, the new canon. That is maybe he was referring to Exegol. We know he's not referring to Snoke now. Mm. Um, you know, maybe there is this, you know, other species out there. Maybe the High Republic will shed some light on it. I, I don't know, but I feel like Thrawn is going to be, you know, everyone's just assuming Thrawn's going to be the big villain that comes out of the Unknown Regions, and he could be. But maybe he's going to be the big frenemy that comes out of the Unknown Regions, and the villains that we get are completely unknown, completely brand new, and threaten the galaxy. Uh, it does feel mm-hmm. like the whole idea that nothing happens in 30 years between return of the Jedi and the force awakens has been basically thrown out the window more or less. And I think it would be really, really interesting to take, take the concept of a, of a traditional villain and, and turn it on its head the way you could with a strategian like Thrawn, like as excited as I am for Mando season three, I'm also really excited for like Ahsoka not just because of the Clone Wars tie-ins, but because now that she's done the name drop in this show, where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? It opens so many possibilities for what you're going to do with Thrawn's character post-Rebels, 
what you're going to do with the unknown regions, how it ties into the books. Like this Disney Plus slate that's coming out is going to help make an even more comprehensive universe than what Star Wars already has. And I think that's what excites me the most is we don't need just the cinematic releases anymore. We don't need just these movies like The Force Awakens to tie into all the other content. We now have all of these shows, all of these series, they're going to help fill in gaps that maybe we didn't even know needed filling until they filled it for us. And that just excites the heck out of me, too. I know everybody's... Sorry, Ben. Uh, I know everybody's comparing it to the MCU, and why not? I mean... Uh, people are saying Kevin Feige might have some involvement in what's going on. Maybe not from like a, a head creative, but as like an advisor. And why wouldn't Favreau bend Feige's ear? He'd be dumb not to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, now you had uh, Peyton Reed in there. And uh, But the other show that this universe is starting to feel like, and I, I want to watch the comparison here because as long as we get 25-minute episodes, it's never going to be that show. But with the whole, you know, you got what's going on with Mandalore, what's going on with the Republic, what's going on with, you know, Luke or Ahsoka, what's going on with Thrawn, and, you know, is it the Imperial Remnant? Is there something else out there? Starting to feel like a whole lot of factions are being brought up, and there's another show, Zach, that you and I watched quite closely. Again, I don't know if it can be that, with some of the episodes only being 25, 30 minutes, uh, but if you have four different shows giving you 25 minute to 40 minute episodes and you got to follow them all closely, I, I, I am starting to feel a little bit like Game of Thrones without the mature content. And it, it excites me a little. I don't want to get my expectations too high. But I am oh. seeing parallels there. I see what you mean. Like it's how almost they. Almost like the Black Saber is uh, the Iron Throne, only obviously instead of sitting on it, you sort of carry it around. You're trying to acquire it. it. If huh. you sat on it, it would be bad. <laughs> Mm, could be a little kinky. I don't know. Um, I, I, I see where you're going with that, because instead of having all of those storylines in one show, you've got different storylines happening in different shows, but you need all of them to understand the big picture. Correct. I get what you mean. Game of Thrones did it in one show. So. Yeah, well, Game, Game, of, Game of Thrones had like sometimes five or six or seven different storylines happening at once, and they would jump around a lot. And yet their storytelling and their pacing was still good enough that you were able to keep up with what was going on at a pretty decent clip. But you couldn't miss one episode. You couldn't miss one conversation. You couldn't miss one sequence. And I get what you mean. Like, you really can't miss, like, season one, episode two of Ahsoka or else you're going to end up misunderstanding what's going on in season one, episode four of Rangers of the New Republic or something like that. I mean, look at Mandalorian right now. This show, look at how many references and cameos and all kind of stuff just in season two. Like right. Mandalorian is already that show in regards to not most 90% of people that watch this show aren't going to get all the references and stuff like that. They're not getting, you know, a lot of people watch the show. They went, who's Red Admiral Thrawn? What's that? Who's Ahsoka Tano? They're experiencing all this stuff for the first time. Well, and, and it's, not it's causing it's causing increased viewership of the Clone Wars and Rebels, according to reports I've read. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, a lot of people met Ahsoka for the first time. They're like, well, I'm going to watch Clone Wars and stuff like that. And so you can enjoy Mandalorian on its own, but you're still not getting the full experience. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing with like the MCU. You can enjoy a lot of those movies just peripherally, but you're not going to get the full experience if you don't watch all of them and understand what exactly is going on. You know, if you go watch, you know, Civil War, you know, you know, you can you're, you're getting Captain America's story, but ultimately you need to watch the Avengers movies and all this kind of stuff to kind of get what's going on. And especially you get to Endgame, like everything is there and you really to appreciate that movie, you have to watch everything. I think it's going to get to that point to where Mandalorian will still be a standalone show, but to get the full experience and to truly understand what's happening, you're going to need to watch Ahsoka. You're going to need to watch Rangers of the Old Republic. Obviously, they can't tie everything in. Acolyte is set, you know, hundreds of years before it, but they still have a lot of stuff that they can tie in. And there's a very strong chance that Rogue Squadron could be set in that era. What if we have a research of the Empire and uh, that's where Patty Jenkins is working on? Is we're going to have this big tie-in and Rogue Squadron is about, you know, the New Republic fighting Thrawn. I I would not be opposed to that. <laughs> where everything culminates in a movie, but I really don't know if that's going to happen. Because if we're being realistic, there are going to be tens of thousands of people, maybe hundreds of thousands possibly millions who don't have disney plus but will go watch a star wars feature film because it's got the star wars name attached to it absolutely but look look at what marvel's doing marvel has already adopted this platform they are considering falcon and the winter soldier wandavision all these to be on the same level as the films that if you want to understand what's going on in the films you need to watch these TV shows too. And you need to watch WandaVision if you want to watch Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because those two tie together very well, right. apparently. So, right. and I'm sure every single piece of media, whether it be a movie, a book, or whatever, it needs to kind of stand on its own. We are in the age of, of multiverses, of cinematic universes where it's about connecting everything. And some people are, are just going to be left out in the cold and they're either going to be confused or they're going to pay the eight bucks a month to, to watch Disney Plus and, and get cut up. Eight bucks a month for now. For now. It'll be like 12 by the time we air this episode. Uh, I'm about to drop Netflix so that I can pick up um, HBO Max. Yeah, because there's a lot, a lot of stuff happening over there. I I want HBO Max preferably by Christmas. We're recording this before Christmas. I would like it by Christmas so that if things get dull around my house, we can just pop on Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, I am down for that. Uh, so there's there's something to be said about streaming and watching stuff at home, that's for sure. Um, let's go ahead and take our break now, though. Say hello to our uh, our friends and our patrons and all those other nice people. And then uh, we'll be back with our planet scores and our quote of the night and some other loose ends that we need to tie up. But we've got some more fun discussions still on the horizon when the IPC podcast continues. Don't go away. This is IPC.
Greetings, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey, y'all, this is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with more of the IPC podcast, of course, talking more of The Mandalorian Season 2. I really feel like we've uh, barely scratched the surface on this thing. Really, we could we could literally be here all night and not talk about everything. And we're only talking about one episode. There was eight of these things, and there was so much packed into all of them. And yeah, there was plenty to talk about over the next, I don't know, the rest of our lives, so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, of course, we can't stay here all night. So uh, we're going to start wrapping up the discussion, I think, here. Before we do that, of course, um, huge shout-outs to our very loyal and very appreciated patrons who uh, give us a little money every month and uh, help to keep the lights on and help support what you're hearing right now and help keep us going. And uh, those shout-outs go out to Mr. Joey Mays, Ryan H., Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, and Carrie Fleming. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much to each and every one of those people for uh, helping us out and keeping the lights on here. And uh, if you want to join them, go over to patron.podbean.com slash podcast where you can uh, check out what we got going on there, get some benefits, and uh, as I said, support the show. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I will say again, um, probably in 2021, in the near future, we're going to be changing things up a bit. We're going to be hopefully introducing some new pluses and some benefits and perhaps even moving things over to Patreon. So uh, 
definitely check that out. If you're a patron already, we'll be in touch with you, and uh, we'll be making things hopefully better for this and hopefully changing things. And we even have, I'll tease this, a new show concept, something we've never done before. We're talking about it, and hopefully we'll get to debut it either in January or February, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We've already, we've already got several things happening. Um, we've got Wonder Woman 1984. I confirm that is going to be on the docket for uh, January, and and I think we've got Bad Batch coming. There's a lot of a lot of good stuff happening on the streaming services, so definitely keep on tuning in for that. And I should mention, this is our last episode of the year. Uh, 2020 has not been good, and so screw you, 2020. We won't miss you. Um but uh, yeah, uh, it's been it's it's been fun here on the IPC podcast at least. Um, but before we get into the last bit of the show, um, yeah, we got some final thoughts here. Um, and Sean, I'm gonna throw it to you first. And so this is the part where you just kind of sum up your feelings and give it a score out of ten, your plan score, um, if you can even do that, because I know we all have a lot of thoughts now. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's so hard even days later to uh, to try to piece all your thoughts together and and really express how how you felt about this. I mean, I know some people that uh, maybe didn't think this was, you know, the, the greatest of episodes. And and uh, I know there's people that love what happened, but are nitpicking uh, Luke's moments uh, in ter- like in terms of the combat style and all that. And. I just, you know, if I could offer a piece of advice to anybody out there, I mean, all film is subjective, right? but just enjoy what we got. Cause it's incredible. It's, it's amazing. Um, I loved it, man. Like I said, I, I started crying and didn't even know I was crying. <laughs> um, I, I do think there's some people automatically jump into the conclusion. Oh, we're going to get a Luke and Grogu show. And well, I would absolutely before that, I think we can say pretty confidently that's probably not going to happen. Um, at least not live action. Uh, just because I think if you were going to do that, you probably would have recasted the role of Luke Skywalker in that episode. Yeah. Um, and they didn't. Uh, so, I mean, not that I wouldn't watch a, a whole, you know, limited series of uh, CGI Luke. Cause I would, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's just, it's so much to take in. Uh, Peyton Reed did a fabulous job. Favreau and Filoni. Um, well, I don't necessarily look at them as saving Star Wars, as a lot of people like to say. And I don't think you can unite the entire fan base because everything's so subjective. It's really, really nice to cover some Star Wars content and enjoy some Star Wars content that at least seems like 85 to 90 percent of the fan base is all on the same page. And I can't remember the last time that happened. So it's really wonderful. Maybe the force awakens. I'm not sure. It's, I just, I feel like a kid on Christmas, Ben, where I've rushed to the tree and instead of there being presents, there's a, a, a tiny snow globe of the star Wars fan base. And instead of it being shattered and people at wars with one another, and some people will still be like that. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, we actually have some, uh, some, some, some level of peace and some excitement that I don't even know you or I have seen ever like we're about to get more star Wars content than we've ever seen in our lives. Uh, I know it's been talked about for a while, but hadn't really gotten there. Well, it's here now. So strap yourselves in and hold on to the ride, hold on for the ride. Cause it's going to be uh, a heck of a lot of fun. And I just, uh, I can't wait to keep going, man. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's uh Did you give did you give a plan score? Oh, I didn't. So um (laughs) my thing would be nine point five and it loses the point five just because I I see people and I'm gonna talk about this a little uh a little tomorrow night on our show. Uh but I just a lot of Star Wars fans compare like the legendary Star Wars characters, the Darth Vader's, Obi-Wan's, Han Solo's, Luke's, Leia's, etc., to Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, etc. And I think it's a fair comparison, but if you're going to do that, we need to be open to recasting some people to allow these characters to have further stories. I agree. Um and I would have liked to see a recast done. I'm not saying it had to be Sebastian Stan, because I'm sure there's 300 other, you know, actors that could play the role just fine. Um, I So it was a small annoyance, but I mean, knowing that Mark Hamill was now on set and in costume and did the voice, uh, it wasn't only him in costume, but it, it adds something to it. Uh, so 9.5 out of 10 for me, and it's the highest I've rated anything Star Wars. Um since probably Revenge of the Sith, man. Wow, wow, that's uh, very impressive and and well well earned, I think, well earned. Um, and I, I'm gonna agree with you about the thing. You know, I, 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 it's been so great to see all the positivity. You know, even the people that are <laughs> that are using it to as a negative to go. Oh, this is so great! It's so much better than that thing. Um, that's unfortunate, but still positivity is positivity. It's great to see people, people happy and excited about something. And, you know, even personally, you know, I wasn't, you know, I'll be honest to the whole Luke thing, you know, the face kind of threw me off a bit. It, it didn't kind of took me out of the scene and it could make a few more times to actually watch the, 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 uh, the episode to kind of appreciate it further. But, uh, you know, even if I'm kind of in the in the recast camp of like I'm not too big a fan of, you know, CGI faces, just seeing people like watching people on YouTube literally crying because their favorite hero is back, that they get to see Luke Skywalker like they've never seen him before and, and, and for the first time in so long. And that's not for me. That's not even a dig at, at Last Jedi. Like I like Luke in Last Jedi, but he's he's different. He's different for a reason. And you know, we didn't get the you know going down a hallway with a green lightsaber slashing up droids. Can I can that's I a th- interject you for a second? Sorry, um, just on the Last Jedi thing. Like as a guy that doesn't like the movie, I have a twelve year old son who loves the movie. It's absolutely <laughs> his favorite Star Wars movie. That's awesome. But I see people on the internet going, well, the Luke that was in this scene couldn't have been that guy. It's like, guys, you realize that two and a half decades pass in this amount right. of time. Yeah. I'm not saying he marries Mara Jade and Mara Jade gets killed in the temple, but it's not out of the possibility that that could happen. Uh, like devastating things happen to people and human beings can break. And I actually found that even this scene helped enhance that a little bit more for me to see how high and confident he was. And then where he is in that movie, it's like, yeah, there's a story to be told at some point in time in there. And I I really do think in classic George Lucas fashion, going back and telling stories previously in the timeline can in fact enhance things. Um, And, you know, I, I dig it, man. I, I, I totally dig it. And there's a lot of haters out there that just need to, let it go. I know I was on the train for a while, but let it go. The movie's here. It's not going everywhere. Enjoy the content we have coming. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, I, I'm I'm over it. Like, I, look, I genuinely, like, I had mixed feelings about The Last Jedi. I, I you know, overall, I like the movie. I especially love what they did with Luke. I get it if people don't like it. You know, opinions are opinions. He's he's a character that everyone have very strong opinions on. And obviously, when you do what Ryan Johnson did, you're going to piss some people off. That's just the way it is. Like, I get it. If you're not a fan of Last Jedi, that's fine. Um, I think you should be if, – if you really like this, just focus on that. Focus on the fact that we're getting this. We're getting something that I didn't think we'd get. Like, I don't think any of us imagined we'd be getting this. I thought maybe we'd get a cameo from Luke, but I didn't really believe that. So, like, seeing this scene was – superb and you know getting this and I, I agree with you like i think it enhances last year i think it enhances the sequel trilogy and maybe can start to kind of lead us into that maybe we'll get some more details maybe make us feel better about what happens in last year who knows but i'm getting back to my point here i i still it, it brings such joy to my heart to see people just breaking down and, and just these tears of joy in this year that has been hard on literally everyone. There's not a single person on this planet that has not been affected by what's been going on in this world. And the despair and the sadness and the massive loss of life that we've experienced here, 2020 has sucked. But this has brought a little bit of joy back into the world, and I can't help but not appreciate that. That, And props to Filoni and Favreau and Kennedy and everyone that made this happen because it's just a joyous to see so many people happy. And even if I wasn't like 100% on board with it, I still can appreciate that this character means so much to so many people and they nailed it. And so, you know, I can't not give it, you know, a 9.5 out of 10 because not only was the episode near perfect, it's just a, just a massive breath of fresh air in this really crappy year and the mandalorian itself this whole season has been probably one of the best seasons of tv i've ever seen and this really has been just a joyous occasion and uh i kind of sucks that we're gonna have to wait more than a year probably for the next season but uh we've got a lot of stuff to look forward to in the future and uh zach do you have your final thoughts and plan score in mind or do you still need some time to think? <laughs> no, I I think I'm good. Um, I'm 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 very much in a similar boat to you guys. There are very few tiny little nitpicks that I would make about this episode. Um, probably some of them pertaining to similar complaints that you guys have expressed. But as a whole, I just I found myself immersed in what they were presenting to me, and. Most of the time I catch myself critiquing and nitpicking and and looking at the the execution and stuff from a production standpoint. Very rarely do I ever get lost in the world anymore because as a reviewer, I look at things from a technical standpoint. And with this episode and for the most part with this entire season, there were a few places here and there, but for the most part this entire season – I was looking at it as a Star Wars fan, just getting caught up in the world, getting caught up in the adventure, um, doing my research. You know, like in the previous episode, I had to go look up what Operation Cinder was because <laughs> I, I wasn't up on it. But 
it it made me feel like I was getting lost in the world of Star Wars again. And that's something that I really haven't had a whole lot of recently. And it was very, very fun to experience. And I'm really bought in on the characters. I'm really bought in on the storyline. I'm really bought in on what they're going to do in the future. I'm excited for it. And these first couple of seasons have laid a very good foundation on what kind of things we can expect from the ensuing series that are coming up. So not only did we get like a backdoor pilot for Ahsoka in this season, but, you know, we also got some things that are setting the stage for what could be potentially bigger and better down the line with the Boba Fett show, with the Rangers of the New Republic. You were hinting at, you know, even Rogue Squadrons having something that could potentially cross over and tie into all of this. That's exciting to think about. And this episode just captured that excitement in a really great 40 to 44 minute microcosm. I love the action sequences. I loved a lot of the dialogue that went on, especially in like the cantina between uh, Boba and Casca and uh, looking at some of the stuff that um, that happened on the ship. There were just so many great, great things about this episode that I'm right there with you. I mean, I really want to give it a 9.5, but I also want to kind of be in consensus with the folks over at IMDb. This episode on the Internet Movie Database is rated a 9.9 out of 10. Whoa. And I'm really, really inclined to agree with that because I have way more praises for it than I do complaints for it. So, yeah, I'm not trying to, like, one-up you guys, but I really agree with IMDb this time. Very rarely do I ever completely agree with IMDb, but (laughs) tonight... Tonight, I agree. This episode was a 9.9 out of 10 for me. That's great. That is great. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, we're, nobody, nobody's giving it a five below. Let's put it that way. There's no five-star reviews here. Even Steven Schinder is, like, giving it an 8 out of 10. So uh, I think we're on the consensus that, you know, this episode may not be perfect, but it's pretty darn close, and it's pretty great, and it's making a lot of people happy. So uh, I think they nailed it, guys. I think they did a pretty good job. I think those uh, that Filoni and Favreau guys, I think they might have a career ahead of them. Just a, just an <laughs> idea. They they might actually you know get to do some cool stuff one day, maybe. Just and I am I am still of the opinion that you need to take a look at Dave Filoni's origins by watching avatar the last airbender i know <laughs> i know in, in in fact i mean i've actually seen one episode uh-huh. in a in a uh, uh yet unreleased because it's been uh, a lot um commentary track that we did a couple months ago still yep. need to release that and i still need to watch more of that show to get yep. because what i've seen so far has been really great so uh, I, I so many really, I really want to do like a season by season recap, like a rewatch of that show with somebody. And I'm hoping it'll be you. But <laughs> see, I'm game. And see, I want to do like I want to do more TV shows on here because like we got to, you know, we've kind of been at a loss for movies lately. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of been fun to we did Star Trek Discovery. We've done a lot of Mandalorian this year. Um, so that's been fun. And obviously we're going to have a lot more in the future. But uh yeah, I would love to do more. 
it's definitely it's definitely worth seeing. And then uh, what did we get from Rotten Tomatoes? I forgot that Rotten Tomatoes did TV show reviews. I thought it was mostly movies, but the uh, the tomato meter has it right at a hundred percent. Holy wow. crap! Dang this uh, this episode was pretty well received. Apparently, jeez Louise. Thanks for shooting that my way, Sean. I I didn't even it didn't even register with me to go and look at the tomato meter because most of the time I'm either thinking like movie reviews, and most of the time the movie critic rates are kind of crap. So I'm like, hmm, <laughs> maybe this time they got it right. Gotta love it. All right, well I guess it's time for uh, one of our other segments here this evening: the uh, quote of the night. There's a lot to choose from, guys, but I'm kind of leaning towards the conversation in the prison cell. What do you think? I I, I like that choice. I like that whole scene because, I mean, like I said, it's, it's the first time that we actually get a scene between Gideon and Din, and they get to talk it out. And I also love I, I love Din's line. You're going to hear it in just a second about... Uh, you know, he's like, where's this going? Like, he just calls him out on the whole villain monologue thing. Like, mm-hmm. dude, I, like, I'm not even buying this. Like, just get to the point. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so um, yeah, go, go ahead and listen to that. I'm just going to magically make it happen. And uh, you're going to hear the whole scene in just a second on tonight's Quote of the Night. Drop the blaster. Slowly. Now kick it over to me. Very nice. Give me the kid. The kid is just fine where he is. Mesmerizing, isn't it? Used to belong to Bo-Katan. Yes, I know you've been traveling with Bo-Katan. A friendly piece of advice. Assume that I know everything. Like the fact that your wrist launcher has fired its one and only salvo. Where is this going? This is where it's going. I'm guessing that Bo-Katan and her boarding party have arrived at the bridge, seeking me, or more accurately, this. But I'm not there. And I imagine that they've killed everyone on the bridge, being the murderous savages that they are. And now, They're beginning to panic. You see, she wants this. Do you know why? Because it brings power. Whoever wields this sword has the right to lay claim to the Mandalorian throne. You keep it. I just want the kid. Very well. I've already got what I want from him. His blood. All I wanted was to study his blood. This child is extremely gifted and has been blessed with rare properties that have the potential to bring order back to the galaxy. I see your bond with him. Take him. 
but you will leave my ship immediately and we will go our separate ways. Well, that was a wonderful scene. And it leads into just one of the best fights, like I said. It's too short, but it's great. And those two just, I mean, John Carlo Esposito is a freaking legend. Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm low-key hoping that he finds a way back into season three. Like, I don't think we've seen the last of him. No, 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 no. He's uh, he's alive for a reason. He he tried to get a way out. He tried to uh, uh, take his uh, put that uh blaster under his chin, but uh, didn't work. So he's sticking around for a little while longer, whether he likes it or not. Man, um, I just I gotta point out the smirk that he has on the bridge right up until Luke's X-wing <laughs> lands. It's so satisfying oh. to him watching the screen and he's like, oh no. Like, oh. he is so, like, all of his confidence just melts away. Oh. He's terrified. He it's is terrified. So satisfying. The guy that's been lack cackling in the background the entire time is now like, oh God, what, what is that? And he's willing, he doesn't want to face him. He's going to shoot himself before. He waits around for Luke Skywalker to get him. And Luke doesn't even seem that interested in, like, the Imperials other than, like, they're standing in between him and the child. Right. Almost like, like he's above that now. Like, how, how self-absorbed is he that he feels like Luke is coming for him rather than the child? And he's, yeah. like, at the point that he's willing to take his own life rather than face a Jedi that's coming for him. I love it. I, I love to think... I mean, just think, like... Not too many people have like experienced Jedi, like have met Jedi, but uh, you know you can imagine like the the legend of Luke Skywalker has a different effect on different people. If you're a good guy, you know you're it's a, it's a it's a sign of hope. If you're a bad guy, uh, yeah, run for the hills, or less, or shoot or less in the, in the face. Um, but that was a great scene. Great, great scene. Um, and I think up next, before we sign off for the night, we have but one segment to do before we can complete this episode. So, uh, let's go ahead and do that. Get out your hashtags, post them in the chat, post them on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, if any of you still have MySpace, is MySpace mm-hmm. even a thing anymore? I don't know. Club but, Penguin? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're on the run of the money. And uh, go over there. Go everywhere. Tell the people what's happening on IPC tonight because it is time, one more time, for Hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-
All right, so I have an idea, guys. I don't know if you want to just try to try to follow me on this and see where this goes. I had an idea because I was eating barbecue pizza earlier tonight, barbecue chicken pizza. That is, it was mm-hmm. darn good. I've had it several times, and I was thinking, is it, is it like well, store bought or do you get it from someplace? No, it's homemade. Homemade. Oh, it's the real stuff. This is the good stuff. It's good. And it got me thinking because I I am a I'm a kind of a picky eater to be honest. You know I don't like a whole lot on my pizza, but I figure you know what do other people think? And, and what is everyone's definition of a barbecue pizza? So I'm 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 throwing down the gauntlet here. I'm putting the question out there. Oh if you could build your own barbecue pizza. Put anything you want on it. You're in the kitchen. You're either making the pizza yourself or you're telling somebody that knows what they're doing what to do. What do you put on that thing? Anything's possible. It just has to be barbecue. Ugh. What do you do? Who wants to go first? Uh, Sean, I think I kind of need you to go first because I haven't been eating much food or thinking about food for the last couple of days. And I need to get in the right mindset before I can answer this. Well, this might not put you in the right mindset, man. <laughs> um, so I've actually done this before. Um, oh. And on mine, what I ended up doing is uh, I remember I was at my my ex's grandparents and we all basically built our own pizza and uh, ended up doing it up on the barbecue. They had like these massive grills that I could only dream of having. And uh, so what mine was was uh you know you had the uh the pizza sauce on there uh i don't really know what it was made out of uh the pizza sauce cheese and uh i cooked some carrots uh and so i made sure the carrots were already cooked before they went on the barbecue to crispen up a bit and uh, you cooked them with some brown sugar and some maple syrup and uh, you get some carrots on there with some bell peppers and onion and tomato and uh, I know it might not sound right because there's not a whole lot of meat on there, but uh, it was actually quite good. I was surprised. I uh, I dug it. Wow, that does sound really good. Hmm. Really good. Um, you want me to go next, Zach? Or you got yours? Uh, I mean, I got a couple of ideas. I guess I, I I started looking at different images of of barbecue pizza online, and it's it's kind of a toss up between whether you just putting barbecue type toppings on top of pizza sauce or if your sauce actually is barbecue sauce and um i think i probably lean more towards the using barbecue sauce instead of marinara just to kind of mix it up a little bit and um for me i guess i would use some sort of a pulled meat either like pulled pork or pulled chicken maybe like diced brisket something like that and i like the idea of the bell peppers i would probably put some um some like uh vertically sliced bell peppers and some onions maybe and a couple of different kind of cheeses maybe like some sharp or some jack cheese something like that just to give it a little bite and um I don't know. I, I guess some of the some of the sides that you would usually get with barbecue, you could maybe try and find a way to integrate into it. I don't know if like creamed 
cabbage like you do with coleslaw would be a good idea because if it gets hot, it wouldn't taste as good. Yeah. But I would try and find some other type of component that is barbecue related and try and put it in there as well. I'm just not sure what exactly. Like I said, I've been battling a stomach bug the last couple of days, so trying to build your own pizza is a little foreign to me right now because all I've been building lately is instant mashed potatoes and microwave rice. I, I just love uh, I love Steven Schinter's comment in the uh, the chat because he's now demanding after my very musical intro of BBQ Watch, he's demanding an IPC musical episode, um, which. Don't don't hold your breath, Stephen. I'm just being honest. Don't hold your breath, but don't tempt me either. Um, and he also asks, "Do you want to build a pizza?" So there you go, more music. And that's actually I I, I like your idea a lot, Zach. Um, Ooh, that's... if we're gonna add some some spice, add some kick to it, maybe some um, circularly sliced jalapenos. Ooh, you're really on the jalapenos lately after those uh, those uh, Texas, what do you call them? Texas Twinkies. Yeah, Texas Twinkies. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I like to make salsa verde, too, and that's basically like 80% of it is jalapeno, so uh, it's, it's pretty good. I'll have to give you all the salsa verde recipe sometime. It's super easy to make, and all you need is a grocery store and a blender. Oh, wow. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, so for my idea, I'm thinking because I'm a I'm a I'm a meataholic. I, you know, I I I love a good meat lovers like takeout pizza, um, and you know, like you get the you know you get the ham, pepperoni, Italian sausage, all that stuff. I'm thinking kind of a barbecue version of that. So you know, you got your tomato sauce, you get your cheese generally. I don't know. Maybe you switch out. I like your idea about like switching out the the, the tomato sauce with, uh, you know, with barbecue sauce maybe, or maybe a mixture of the two. I don't know how you do that, but doing that and then you know you had some some pulled chicken, some pulled pork, some pulled beef, or chopped or however you want to do it, um, and you know kind of mixing it all up and kind of you know maybe you know you get. You know, a little bit of chicken, a little bit of pork, a little beef, you know, all in one bite, maybe. I don't even know how that would taste. But, like, I think it would sound pretty good. I don't even know how those would mix together. But having kind of like a, a barbecue meat lovers. And, of course, you have the sauce. And I don't know if you have any veggies. It would be mostly meat, obviously. Um, I don't even know what other meats. Maybe you could add some sausage on there, too. Like, cut it really thin, maybe, like pepperoni. Like, that would be interesting. Like, there's a lot of possibilities. There is. There, there's there's a lot of different barbecue meats that would be compatible on on a on a pizza. Um, I'll be honest, though, Sean, I never would have thought of carrots with barbecue. Was that just something that was on the table and you just decided to integrate it into the barbecue component? Or do you equate carrots with eating barbecue? Uh, I've definitely had carrots with quite a bit of, uh, barbecue before. Uh, I just love it when you cook them in some maple syrup and some brown sugar. And like, for me, I'm really picky when I go to a, like a restaurant. Um, and we went to one on the weekend actually before the lockdown happened here. And I hate when I get like a vegetable and it's like really hard to choose through. In my opinion, 
vegetables are not supposed to be super hard to chew through. They should be tender, almost like they're melting in your mouth. And uh, But that with just a little bit of a crisp on it from the barbecue. Uh, normally, I would not, though, even dream of putting carrots on a pizza. Uh, but because they had the maple syrup and the brown sugar there, uh, I went at it. Not too heavy, and uh, I liked it. It was decent. Wow. So the, the the caramelization with the with the syrup and the brown sugar is what what would cinch it for me because usually around here we usually only do that with like sweet potatoes. I've never done that with carrots before, but that sounds really good just as a standalone, not even on pizza. That just sounds good by itself. It does. Usually, usually by about this time, I'm saying, well, I'm getting hungry, but now I'm sitting here going, well, I just hope that thinking about food doesn't send me scurrying off to the bathroom again. <laughs> <laughs> oh that is the i i feel you oh that's the worst feeling when you just like you want to eat but then i'm not even going to talk about it because i'm afraid i'm going to set you off and i know if i was in your condition i would not want someone talking about food or this around me so thank you so much for being a trooper <laughs> and I... working with this I, I i'm grateful to both of you guys for for working around my uh inconsistent bowels if that's even the best way to put it um but making time in your schedules to do stuff on a day that isn't usually a good recording day and so uh thank you to to both of you for for working with me and uh, to everybody that's listening at home this is pretty much it for 2020 for ipc it's been a whirlwind of a year it's been really crazy. We we've had a lot of uh, adjustments that we've had to make. Uh, our schedule kind of went out the window by about February or March, and uh, we may do. We did everything that we possibly could to keep plugging out good content for you, and we appreciate you tuning in for the entire year. Um, looking forward to what kind of new adventures we've got in 2021, but. Um, it's it's been a it's been a ride and we're we're hoping that you keep riding with us come the new year. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh it's been a year. It's been a year. <laughs> it's, it's been it's, one of those years. It's been when, a good it's been a decade, I should say. This year has been a decade. <laughs> when it hasn't so been your day, your week, your month, or even your year. It hasn't been anyone's year. Anyone's year, I don't think. No. No one. Um, but, uh, thankfully, <laughs> you're not wrong. And the people <laughs> that anyone that makes masks, they are making bank right now. All right. That's true. That you're making true. masks. You're a billionaire by now, or maybe you're already a billionaire. You're a quadrillionaire like Bezos making more than that. Yeah. Like okay, we're not life. ending it on a sour note, though. Sean, thank you for flexing with us and, and being on this episode with us. I know that it was a lot of uh, effort on your part, and it was a lot of fun just being on the 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 holiday episode that you did over at Fandom Empire uh, not too long ago. I appreciate you having me and, and appreciate you reciprocating by hopping on with us tonight. It was it was it was a fun time. Uh, it's always a blast. Uh, we've had you on a, a couple of times recently and uh, been trying to figure out a new schedule with Ben to get him on, but uh, we don't do Wednesday nights anymore, which makes it a little tougher. Uh, it's always a blast to pop on. Uh, I consider you guys uh, close friends, and it's been one heck of a journey. And uh, I can't say that I listen to IPC every single week, 
Uh, but I listen ah, more my. often than I don't from a distance. Uh, usually not live anymore, sadly. I'll let you uh, in on a little secret. I don't even listen to IPC that much anymore. <laughs> um, I I almost never rewatch my own stuff. I just I when I first started, I did, and now it's just kind of. Eh. Um, <laughs> as we sign off here, though, I just I want to want to say one thing. I I think the thing I enjoyed about this episode so much was. I, and you guys have heard me talk so much about whether it's Obi-Wan, Thrawn, Revan, Kylo Ren, Han Solo. Haven't talked a whole lot about Luke Skywalker, unless it was with The Last Jedi, where he had a much bigger role. Um, I forgot how much like that I wanted to see Luke post Return of the Jedi like shortly after, because I hadn't thought about it since I was a kid. And you right. sort of forget that that mindset's there. And I think that's why I got so emotional and still get emotional. And as awesome as it was to see Luke Skywalker as a dad watching Din say goodbye to Grogu also got me. And it was just, uh, uh, Star Wars is, uh, I mean, if it ever went anywhere, I'm not sure it did, but if it, uh, if it did, it's back now. And it's a pleasure to, uh, be on here talking with, uh, two fine gentlemen such as yourselves. Well, we appreciate that, man. man. Where where can the folks at home keep up with the other stuff you're doing when you're not hopping on guest appearances for IPC? Uh, Well, mainly just the Phantom Empire YouTube channel now. On Tuesdays, we do a Star Wars show, uh, which has a lot coming in 2021, but I can't talk about that yet because we're still finalizing some things. And then Thursdays is Phantom Empire Live. We could talk horror, Halloween, Marvel, even Star Wars on that day, although... Usually our horror fans tune in and uh, don't like that uh, Star Wars is stealing some of the horror coverage. So I got some crap given to me about that uh, a couple weeks ago. But yeah, no, Phantom Empire YouTube channel. Uh, Head on over there. Hit the subscribe button, notification bell. Oh, man. It's there, there. You got a lot of cool stuff that you're doing over there, and though I, I I've seen some of the some of the chats that you've had on that YouTube page. People will pay you twenty bucks just to say something on the video, and I'm like. I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> <laughs> Your reaction to that was priceless. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to the debate about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not over at Phantom Empire on the holiday Age special. Debate. It's a it's a it's a debate that will continue for years and years to come, but not one that we'll be having on this episode. Uh, for me, it's really just this stuff here. I'm not doing any football stuff anymore, as I mentioned at the top of the show. We're kind of done with that. Hoping to do baseball, but we'll see what happens when the springtime comes around. So just keep up with us here at IPC Podcast on Facebook and Twitter and uh, occasionally on Instagram if I ever remember to update the page. And then I'm on Twitter at Zach the Voice, Z-A-C-H the Voice. Cool beans. And you can find me at... Ben Hart with no E. You can also find me at the SWU and at Culture Slate. And uh, I was also on a most recent episode of the Too Old for This podcast. And yes, it's as crazy as it sounds. Um, basically, just uh, had some fun talking about The Mandalorian. So I was, I've, I've been on like at least three shows now talking about this one episode. <laughs> so it's kind of been fun. Kind of been fun just to kind of do that. So. Go check that out. I'm sure it'll be up on my social media by the time this is out, too. And, uh, yeah, it's been a good year. 
No, no, it's not. I lied. It's not been a good year. It's been a good year for the IPC podcast. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, we've had we've had fun, but we're looking forward to what we're going to do in uh, 2021. We've got a potentially new show format or two on the horizon. Mm-hmm. We've got some different guests lined up that we may try and get on uh, the program over the course of the year. Plenty of new Disney Plus content and maybe some Netflix originals, maybe some rewatches. Um, who knows? There's there's lots that can still be uh, on the horizon, and we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But that's going to do it for the year 2020 for us. Thank you all so much for tuning in to IPC over the course of this year. It's been a rough year for a lot of people, and hopefully... We were able to give you a couple of hours of respite from that every now and then, and hopefully we can continue to do that as we brave whatever challenges 2021 has in store for us. But that, I think, is going to do it for this episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition. Be sure to find us at ipcpodcast.podbean.com, starwarsunderworld.com, Google Play, uh I, 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 we call it iTunes, but it's actually called Apple Podcasts nowadays. Yeah, Apple Podcasts. Go find us at all those different places and hit the subscribe button so that you can know exactly when the next episode is going to release. Uh, we don't even know exactly when it's going to release, but it'll be sometime in January. And uh, until that time comes around, we just want to leave you with this final thought. Fear is a disease. Hope is its only cure. And we hope to see you sometime early 2021. But until then, good night, everyone.